I'm Beth. And I'm Leslie. Welcome to Quince. A little sweet. A little tart. And a little unexpected. It's Wednesday, November the 19th, 2015. And the word of the day is... Zealot. Oh, Zealot. Yeah. Thank you, Nancy Ann Loudon, for suggesting this word. Yes, this might be a contentious one. <laughs> <laughs> Should have should be interesting. I think it'll be quite quite interesting. We're even having trouble agreeing, aren't we, Leslie? Yeah, I think we are. And uh, I pulled out a dictionary. Always a smart move. Yeah, and this is Webster's new collegiate dictionary, and it's quite old. <laughs> but um, anyway, to look up the word uh, zealot in this dictionary means a member of a fanatical sect arising in Judea during the first century AD and military opposing the Roman domination of Palestine. And the second um, meaning is a zealous person, especially a fanatical partisan. Okay. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So... Our discussion, before we even started, centered on the fact that I think when you're talking about a zealot, you can include the meaning for, of zeal. which and I is, don't think that. And you don't think that. <laughs> and zeal is three things, ranging from enthusiasm to a diehard right. to a fanatic. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I, I can't quite... Seems to me, if you're a zealot, you've crossed the line. You know, I know zealous people, and I admire zealous people. But I think if they go into that point where they, um, it's like we were talking earlier, I cannot think of a single idea that I would kill somebody over. Right, right. There, there is nothing that would make me kill somebody. Oh, I don't think either of us are zealots by, <laughs> by no means. Right, right, you know. And there were probably ideas that I might die for. I'm not really sure of that. But I know there's nothing that would make me kill somebody. Right. And so as, to me, a zealot is a person that has crossed that line to where whatever he has that feeling for makes nothing else important. Now, I can agree with that, except I don't think it has to go as far as killing. I think that there are zealots who absolutely believe what they think is the truth with a capital T, and nobody else is right. Right. Definitely. But I don't think that necessarily means they're going to kill you over it. They will try to convert you over it. Yeah, maybe, but if you don't convert, if they're a zealot, um, like the dictionary said, this um, movement started in um, Roman times. Right. uh, With the um, probably mostly young men in uh, uh, Judea that, um, you know, felt oppressed and trapped. Absolutely. Jewish men under the Roman Under the Empire. Roman domination. Uh, but they were only one of many different philosophies at the time. Right. And, you know, um, Josephus is one of my favorite writers about 
um, Roman history. Oh, tell us. Yeah, I've read a lot about of his stuff. And he was, um, he actually basically rewrote the Bible. He wrote the Jewish history. And then he wrote the, about the Roman Wars. And he refers to the Zealots as the fourth Jewish philosophy. And it was founded by jo Judas the Galilean in 6 AD. Uh, Josephus didn't have a whole lot of sympathy for this uh, particular sect because he was a Romanized Jew. Now, Paul was a Romanized Jew. Right. And, uh, you know, he, he had sympathy for his people and um, wrote a lot of their history. In fact, saved a lot of their history from the Maccabean time to uh, the destruction of the temple. is not in the Bible, really very much except for the story of Jesus. So what were they such zealots about? Well, it started with um, they didn't want to do the census. And they didn't want to pay the taxes. And um, there were several individuals and groups that rebelled against Rome with violence. And um, the term zealot only apply, apply, applies to some of them. Uh, but it was often used for any of the rebel factions that used violence. See, there were these scenes where there, uh, the Philistines and the um, Sadducees and all of those different. See, these are groups. We kind of right. tend to think of them, or maybe I think of them because um, of the way I was raised. The, the Pharisees were, I always thought they were like the bosses right. of, the, um, of, the, of the church. But they were one of these sects, really. And they, I guess they were the more powerful ones. And um, so all these different people were, had all these different ideas, much like what we have now. So really all of them, in their own way, were zealots. But one group of them have come down through history with that actual title. Right, because they crossed the line into violence. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there was, um, oh, let's see, let me find my thing. Um, Hereford compares Judas, the uh, Galilean, to Matthias, who um, gathered around him those that were zealous for the Torah. Matthias was the one that, in the Maccabean War, and uh, kind of, the part of the Bible that, or the part of the Jewish history that we don't see in the Bible was when the Maccabeans, um, when, when Rome actually came and conquered the area. We don't see that part. It's just, we, it ends, uh, the Bible ends in the Old Testament, and then in the New Testament, the Romans are in charge. Right, that's what got put into yeah. our Bible. Yeah, yes. yeah that's what, yes. what happened. So there's this, this um, gap of history, which um, Josephus does cover, and um, when Matthias was um, in power, uh, the in the days of Judas, the Jews were free to worship as they wished for the most part. But uh, Judas revolted against Rome over the census, and then um, they decided they didn't want to pay the taxes and all. And, uh, and Jesus referred to that when he said, "Give Rome what is Rome, give God what is God's." Now, he was trying to kind of separate the two situations because that wasn't his concern. 
Right. Keep keep government and religion separate. Right. And and, and it wasn't his his concern was not what the government was doing. And um, then in um, 70 A.D. the they had pushed everything. So from 66 A.D. on, uh, they have other um, Jews have pushed the Romans so much in Josephus's eyes that that led to the destruction of the temple. Yes, in 70 A.D. In 70 A.D. And they just finally decided we're just not going to put mess with you people anymore. So what happened to those zealots? Well, they pretty much scattered, apparently. Um, a lot of them wound up at Masada, which is a huge... Um, um, it was a uh, siege. They wound up, at, uh, and the Romans um, surrounded the place and starved them out. And they both, mostly all died. I think, if I remember rightly, they killed the women and children and killed themselves. And, mm. You know, and they absolutely could not uh, get away. Some of them were killed by other rebels. And then, um, but they continued to carry on some little um, rebel um, factions. Yeah, they they continued on uh, up until um, the they called it uh, like a Judas freedom, um, the Jewish freedom movement. And then um, Simon Zelotus, remember that name? Simon. Simon Zelotus. No. No. One of the twelve disciples. Oh, okay. I just didn't know the last name. Uh -huh. Yeah. Well, he Simon. was called. Um, well, there were several Simons. Simon. Yeah, Peter, there was. There Simon. were a lot of Simons, and right. he was called Simon uh, the Lotus, and probably some of the other uh, disciples were part of that movement as well. And then some people think that John the Baptist was uh, an Essene mm -hmm. that um, you know decided to follow Jesus. So, um, it's a complicated thing. But all of these people cross the line. Yes. Now, are there any modern-day Jewish zealots? Probably. Yeah. They, I mean, I wonder yeah. if they use the term. I mean, I, I know, have been I, Googling for days and nothing like that came yeah, up. Yeah, no, I don't, I don't, I don't think they, uh, anybody that would call themselves that, um... I know when, back in the 80s, the Masada was considered very dangerous, the, right. the military police. Yes, yes. And pretty much... It made for some wonderful literature. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've true. got some great books that... Yeah. And, uh, well, according to Josephus, Judas, the Judas that was um, the Galilean, called the Jews cowards if they continued paying taxes to Rome or to submit in other ways to any but God. To him, taxation was slavery. In many things, they probably agreed with the Pharisees, but they had a passion for liberty. The Pharisees were not zealots. They were swept into the wars against their will. They kind of had everything the way they wanted it. And they might have been more sympathetic at the outset, but not in the final conflicts, which led to the destruction of Jerusalem and the Jewish state for like almost 2,000 years. Wow. They did peace at all costs. Yep. So zealots don't figure prominently in the Bible, but there are references to them. One of the twelve, uh, Simon Zelotus, was probably a member of the group originally. Uh, Barabbas was clearly a zealot. 
um, the term used to describe him in John 1840 is the same word used by Josephus to describe the zealots. And that Barabbas was the right, yeah. yes. And possibly Judas Iscariot had leanings toward their ideas. Um, Jesus never openly referred to the zealots. His statement that men try to take the kingdom by force has been interpreted as a criticism of such misguided zeal. Whether or not it refers to the zealots is debated. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, very interesting. Yeah, yeah that, um, I get lost in it because there's so much to it. Now, biblical, early biblical history is fascinating to me anyway. But it's so much and it's so complicated. It's very complicated. Yeah, you know. But there's wonderful texts. I mean, if if there's any group in history who have kept amazing records, it is the Jewish people. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, um, the, the writings of Josephus, um, because he was involved and because he had a Roman outlook, made for an interesting uh, take on it. Even though he basically did rewrite the Bible, there are... Um, some extra details. Uh, well, I got into conversation about pyramids a while back with somebody. And the Bible does not mention pyramids, but Josephus does. Mm -hmm. That the Hebrew children actually um, made the bricks that constructed the pyramids. Very some, of the, interesting. some of the pyramids. Right, right. You know, the pyramids is a long chunk of history. Now, do you, know, do you know our friend David Scheim, who is the harp the yeah. harp player, uh -huh. yeah. amongst many things. Oh, He's yeah. a scientist and an author. Um, he is working on a book right now, mm -hmm. and he often quotes your fella, Josephus. Josephus. And I'm not 100% sure that's the way it's said. People I, around here actually had that name. Oh. I knew people that were named Josephus. Ah. And I, I knew people, uh, at least a couple of people named Zelotus. Z Lotus. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah Z Lotus Boyd lived right over the hill here. Very so, interesting. So, um, Malon, I knew a Malon. So, these names from the Bible were part of my growing up. And that's how I heard them pronounced. So, I may be incorrect in my pronunciation. Oh, you're doing great. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, yeah. you yeah, really It doing. might be Josephus, but I think Josephus sounds better. Mm -hmm. But then there was Cephas, you know, I knew Josephus. Which is uh, another word for Simon Peter, another name, the Greek name I think for Simon Peter. Interesting. Yeah. So you have some direct biblical ideas. Maybe, well, or, uh, as long as you, as long as you let me bring the zeal word in, okay. I do. Well, the, I think we should not totally agree all the time. We'll get boring. Absolutely, because we really <laughs> do pretty much agree on about everything, and we um and. And it'd be interesting to know what other people think. Yes. About the word. We'll have to put some put some comments in yeah. if you feel like it, listeners, please. Mm -hmm. um, when I was doing my Googling and talking to people, uh, there were two things in the Bible that came up with about zeal. And one of them, Felicia Sheeler at Spiritual Group last night, just happened to read. And I'm like, stop, I need that <laughs> sentence. Where are you in the Bible? Yeah, yeah. So this is Romans 10. It's the first two verses. Dear brothers, the longing of my heart and my prayer is that the Jewish people might be saved. 
I know what enthusiasm they have felt for the honor of God, but it is misdirected zeal. So there was that one. Uh -huh. And then there was one that happened to come to me because I've been, uh, the, a few months ago, I did a Proverbs study, you know, 30 chapters in 30 days, wow. and one of my... One of my cousins mm -hmm. did this along with me, and we would Facebook each other. What do right. you think about today's? Uh, and also, I might mention, when I was growing up, and I sometimes would get in trouble, dear listener, with my mother, and instead of grounding me or whatever, she would read me Bible verses while I got ready for school and be brushing my hair, and she'd sit down, and, she'd, and it was... My, my straightening out, if you will. <laughs> and one time, it was all of Proverbs. So Proverbs has been this book for many, many year, mm -hmm. decades. <laughs> so when I thought of zeal, I certainly thought of this one from Proverbs 19, right. the second verse. It is dangerous to have zeal without knowledge. And... The one who acts hastily makes poor choices. The one who acts hastily makes poor choices. Now getting up to the first of that. Yes, it is dangerous to have zeal without knowledge. Yes. And I think to me, a zealot is often someone who is not basing their fanaticism on reason, on right. facts. They are doing it on a belief that they hold to be true. And that they will not change no matter how many facts are put in front of them. Right. See, so I can consider a zealot even, um, I will try not to offend anybody, Say what? someone, uh, why not? Okay, <laughs> someone who believes you know the earth is 5,000 years old or something, mm -hmm. and they will they will be absolutely fanatical about that, no matter how much science right that you give them and that they study and fossils they hold in their hands, they yep. will still. And to me, that's a zealot, perhaps with a small z, yeah. Maybe so. Maybe. Maybe. See, all right. All right. But, all right, that's that. And we'll get back to this word. But we did want to follow our regular oh, Quince yeah. podcast yeah. Well, format yeah. and go into something a little sweet. And that is the projects. Yeah. Well, um, I have been crazily getting ready for this Reynolds Homestead Art and Craft Show. Excellent. I've been really looking forward to. So I've been making all sorts of stuff oh. for that. And uh, that's coming this coming Saturday, the 21st, from 10 till 3, at the Rolls Homestead in Kreitz. So if I get this done and put up in time, I hope so. <laughs> so you can come and visit us down there. Beth's going to be down helping with the food. Yes. And we have uh, 25, 26 yeah. Vendors. Yeah, we have a lot of vendors. Excellent, excellent yeah. artists like you. Really good. Yeah, they said it's yeah. a jury show, so it should be good. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, you've got lots of projects going on. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wanted to talk about the project that was completed yesterday, and that was taking our volunteer interpreters, the guides 
that give tours of the Reynolds Homestead, the plantation home. And they train, they work hard, they study, and they fill the slots from April, the 1st of April to the end of October, every Saturday and Sunday afternoons. They volunteer their time to be there to give tours to tourists, anyone who comes along. They also help me out during the week, sometimes when we have tour buses or school groups. So these, to me, are, are very, very special people. Oh, yeah. So once a year, at the end of the season, we take them to an historic home, another one somewhere, for a tour, and then out to dinner, and we just all spend the day together. And yesterday, we also took the staff for a staff development, so there were 18 of us. Wow. Yes. In your new bus. In our brand new bus that yeah. Ray and Nancy Dietz donated to the Reynolds Homestead. Yeah, it's just so cool. beautiful. Mm -hmm. 14 passenger, and then we also took the van, our yeah. van along too. But let me tell you what happened on the way. Okay. Gosh, you never can discount what happens on the way, can right. you? Absolutely. We decided to go down through the back country of Stokes County, North Carolina, just across the line from Patrick County, to where R.J. Reynolds' mother was born and raised before she married Hardin Reynolds and moved up to Kreitz and started building the, their beautiful home. She was raised near Westfield, near Hanging Rock. Mm -hmm. And we had done a little bit of research and had folks send us some information that there was a house there. And so I said, let's drive that way. And we'll just imagine the trip for them right. back in the horse and buggy. We're talking 1840s. Yeah. Now. And so we went on the winding roads and we found the site where the house is. It's this huge big house. Turns out it's the third house that's, yeah. that's been built. But, nonetheless, there it was. And we pulled in the driveway. And we really were just doing a drive-by. That, yeah. that was all. Had not talked to anyone. Well, out comes the owner. And they have a zip line, 26 zip lines on that property designed by a Costa Rican company. It was the first zip line in North Carolina. So it is a tourist destination. What's a zip line? You know where you hang and ride? Really? Across, yeah. I've never yeah. heard of such a thing. Oh, Leslie. I'm dumb. Yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> but you're going to want to do it. You ride Maybe. across, hang, you're hanging up in the air on a wire, that and you're cool. swinging across the tops of the trees. That sounds cool. Very cool. Yeah. But anyway, so this guy comes out, and he's like, oh. Are you all scheduled tour? My wife forgot to tell me about. <laughs> Marie were laughed and said, "No, no, no. We're just passing through. We're from the Reynolds Homestead, where you know Mrs. Reynolds' father owned this property. Of course, he knew all oh, that. Yeah. And he said, "Do you have ten minutes? Let me show you something." <laughs> and we all, eighteen of us, followed him up through the woods, up the hill, to the tombstone of Joshua Cox. Oh, how cool! Her father. It was very cool. Yeah. I mean, it was, it really, really was great for the interpreters and all of Absolutely. us who love history to see that. So then we hopped back on the bus, thank him, 
Um, and with plans to go back or bring him up to the homestead to yeah. talk some more about the history. Sure. Um, but we headed on down then to Kernersville, where we had a tour of Kerner's Folly, mm -hmm. which is a house built in the 1880s. There's about, you know, it, it went through many different stages yeah. also. Um, 22 rooms. Three stories tall, very tall house. Yeah. Interesting roof lines, mm -hmm. just the whole bit. And Mr. Kerner was famous and made most of his money because he did the famous advertising for Bull Durham Tobacco. Ah. Yes. He was also a furniture designer and an architect and all these things. And so he had designed this house. Then he met and married Mrs. Kerner, mm -hmm. who came in and said, let's knock out some walls here, because he was using that house like a magazine that people could walk in and walk from room to room and see his furniture and then buy it. Wow. Right. Or like a showroom. Like a showroom. Wow. But it was a whole house. It was yeah. a show house. Uh -huh. And um, so, you know, she wanted a few changes there <laughs> and then they had a couple children and the story goes on yeah. um you always googling kerner's folly is spelled k-o-r-n-e-r-s okay. with the two little thingy you know yeah, like scandinavian the, the two thing. right yeah. um kerner's folly and they ask you at the end of the tour did you do you think it was a folly? Oh, this gonna house. Say, uh, where yes. did he get the name folly? Yes, because yes. in England a folly is um, kind of a foolish, a, a silly decoration in your garden. Right, right. So, so and, and it's actually an architectural term also. Right, yeah. But they called it his folly because it's very odd. Every mm -hmm. doorway is different. Yeah. There are several rooms that, you know, you have to lean over in some rooms that the ceilings are 14 feet high and, <laughs> and you're these tiny little stairwells that mm -hmm. go up all these and back. You could get lost. I mean, it's a children's dream house. Yeah, for sure. In fact, it sort of was like a dollhouse made large. Yeah. Yeah. And they had a theater on the top floor where they do puppet shows cool. now and have since 1897 wow. for they wanted to bring culture right. and learning to the children and people mm -hmm. of Kernersville. Yeah. So very fascinating. It then we ate at J. Pepper's oh, Southern yeah. Grill and man that was good. That's, so. the, that's the most important <laughs> part of any yes. outing. Yes and then went and bought Moravian sugar cookies oh, and yeah. things at Dewey's. Yes, yeah. Mm -hmm. So it was a great trip. Sounds wonderful. Yes. So that was my latest project. Okay. And yes. Yeah. So have we got anything else coming up to hmm. um, talk about besides the craft show? Oh, lots for Victorian Christmas. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think we'll probably be doing another podcast, but just to mention right. the first week of first two weeks of December at the Reynolds Homestead, we have all kinds of uh, Christmas and holiday activities going on for right. every level of the family. One thing I will mention, because it is something that I organize, is the open house on December, I believe it's the 6th or the 7th, the first Sunday. Okay, because y'all um, already started decorating the house. Yes, yeah. yeah. 
So it, from 1 to 4, Sunday afternoon, the first Sunday, it is free and open to the public All to right. come in and walk through. Okay. And I will have tour guides in, in dress. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I used to do that. Oh, yeah. Well, come on down. It's, it's fun. It was we so much good time. fun, though. It was really nice. And see, do I don't like to do it. Really? I know. Yeah, and I, know. I, I got all dressed up. My, my, my grandmother braided my hair. I've got a picture somewhere mm -hmm. of me in the apron and my hair braided. Oh, I'd love to see yeah, it. And yeah. so many people do. And we have the dresses and things yeah. there. Yeah, you do now. Mm -hmm. Back then they didn't, but now you do. Because mm -hmm. you've helped me out a few times when I've done things for tech. Yes. <laughs> yeah. All right. So that's a little sweet. Now we're going to do a little tart, and that's usually a book review or uh, a review of something that um, is going on. And I think you do have a book. Well, I do, and it's it's talking about getting back to our word zealot. Yeah. And this is not a book I have not read. Right. So I, I have either. to put that out there. Right. I did hear interviews with the author. I heard interviews pro and con about this book. Mm -hmm. It was actually caused quite a stir when it came out, I don't know, a year or two ago. Okay. But it is called Zealot, mm -hmm. The Life and Times of Jesus of Nazareth. And it was written by... Um, an Iranian-American writer and scholar, Riza Asian? Aslan. I'm sorry, A-S-L-A-N. Mm -hmm. And he basically argues that Jesus was a political, rebellious, and eschatological Jew whose proclamation of the coming kingdom of God was a call for regi regime change. For ending Roman hegemony, how do you say that word, Leslie? Alex Trebek hadn't said it, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, uh, ending Roman hmm, over Judea and ending a corrupt and oppressive aristocratic priesthood. So there you go. That Jesus was part of this zealot group you just told us about. Yeah, that's very... Yeah, so you might enjoy reading this I book. think I would enjoy reading it. I'm mm -hmm. not sure I'm going to agree with him no. because I've read an awful lot of early Bible history and I don't remember anything that really indicated that. But I'm op I'll try to be open-minded. I have no idea, but I'll tell you what. He has been... He has been dissected, interjections, <laughs> interviewed. I'll tell you, he does. He is a prominent Muslim, which is interesting. Yeah. But at one time, he had converted to Christianity, then converted back. Right. Um, he does have four degrees, including one in New Testament, and he's fluent in Biblical Greek. Yeah. And has spent a lot of time studying the origins of Christianity. Yeah, well, that's, so, you know, that, that gives him some pretty good uh, credentials. Yeah, oh, yes. I, I yeah, think there's no sure. doubt. And the book came out, you know, I mean, it was, it had a good, you know, New York Times review. It did well in hardcover. Actually, it came out in, I think it's 2013. 2013. Yeah, my printer. I will definitely get trouble. it. Yeah. Because yeah. I think that would be interesting. 
Because well, let us know. You'll I'll have to tell know. us. I but will. it was the only book that I found that had Zealot in the title yeah, when I Googled. True. So, yeah. yes. <laughs> so, is there anything else we've been reading that we need to well, share? The book, club, the book club has had some great discussions. We um, just did the other night. Didn't yeah. we have a fun time at Becky a, and John Rudolph's home? We had a great time. Pizza and ice cream. How can you beat that? Homemade pizza right down to the crust. Uh, Three kinds. Oh, yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. The, <sighs> the food is the most important thing. Uh, we read The Sound of Glass by Karen White. And unfortunately, I didn't get a hold of the book. So I couldn't say a whole lot about it. But I'm still on, in line to read it. And uh, but the discussion was great. It, it um, mm -hmm. uh, got people involved, and it was really interesting. The glass that she was talking about in the title were wind chimes made out of sea glass. You know, the type that's okay. battered. Right. And, I heard y'all talking about mm -hmm. sea glass, but I didn't realize that was what that was about. Yes, and someone in the book was was quoting her mother as that they always called those mermaids tears oh. mermaids tears okay i have heard of sea glass before i'm not sure i've ever seen it oh i have some i yeah, yeah i yeah. have some in a i've only been to the beach once in my life so. well i'm gonna give you sea glass for christmas girlfriend <laughs> <laughs> i'll give you a couple pieces because yep. it's very pretty i'm sure it is mm -hmm. what what is it actually made of is it I think it's broken bottles and broken bottles things. that have been worn by the sea. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. okay. Have you ever seen that necklace I wear that Lisa Hollingsworth yeah. Sedgety made for me? Uh -huh. That was, has a bottom. It's the bottom of a beer bottle, I, I think. Know and this was, was river glass that had been worn, worn, worn that? down. I didn't know what that was. I yes. thought it was some sort of I'll um, have to show precious stone. <laughs> right. <laughs> Cool. Yes. Okay. But yeah, our book club is very active and really great group. This coming uh, month, we're going to all each pick a Christmas book mm -hmm. to talk about. So I'm our, favorite on that. Christmas our favorite book. Christmas book or story. Gosh, yeah. I'm going to have to really think about that. Too. Yeah. Yeah. I've been kind of playing with that one because there's a lot of Christmas stories I do like. So, um, so that's oh. so that was uh, a little tart. Yes. And now we've got a little unexpected, and I think you've got more things to talk about there, too. Mm. Well, before I get into the little unexpected, let me read this one quote. Well, that can be a little unexpected. Okay, yeah. I'm just sticking yeah. this in here. Yeah, yeah, you're in the... Because I found lots of wonderful quotes about zeal, but <laughs> this was my favorite. Okay. Kindness has converted more sinners than zeal, eloquence, or learning. Well, I Kindness. think that is totally true. Now, yeah. we're, we're coming off of, um, of course, people may listen to this, you know, months from now. And it was, what, two days ago? It was Friday night. Friday night mm -hmm. that the uh, attack on the French, on, on Paris happened. Yes. Which, you know, came out of zealotry. That's right. And um, there's been an awful lot of negative and positive, and I'm learning a lot about people I know, negative and positive. <laughs> and um, that's the good and bad things about Facebook. But, um, so it's kind of hard to ignore that huge happening 
you know, in the fact that we're talking about zealotry. I, I know, and we got this word a month or two yeah, ago. Yeah, it's been so. ages ago, and it, it was really timely. And it's it's and it's so close. You know, it happened on Friday, and today's Wednesday. I'm still processing it. Yes. You know, well, we had friends in France. St. Kathleen and yeah. Peter yes, were we in... had friends in France. I, when 9-11 happened, I had people in New York. I had people in and in, in and D.C. In DC. Yeah. You know, and... Um, it just makes it personal. I mean, yeah. even though, regardless... Yeah, it, we it's... knew they were okay, because we were pretty sure they weren't... Well, Peter and Kathleen, we knew they were pretty sure... We were pretty sure they weren't in... Paris, Paris at the yet. time. But they were on their way, right. so we just didn't we know. We didn't know for sure. You found out pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. uh, but when 9-11 happened, it was three days, I think, before I heard from my aunt. Mm -hmm. Because everything just got shut down. And I knew in a reason she was nowhere near it. But you don't always think about reason. No, when you know. something tragic like that yeah. happens. And then I had a cousin, Regine's niece, that was in sight of the Pentagon, practically. She was living, or she was working in uh, the D.C. area. Uh, there was just a lot of people. That, that I had people in the air, you know, on planes. Mm -hmm. It was it was a wild time. Oh, yes. You know, so, so you can kind of say, I definitely sympathize with the French, but it's kind of like the whole world. There were four different tragic episodes that day. Mm-hmm. You know, but um, you kind of have to think about the whole world in this. And oh, sure, Lebanon, yeah. Nigeria. I mean, all these. Right, Beirut. It was a thing. And it's up. all pretty much based, without getting political, but it's pretty much based on the same zealots, even right. though they're in different. It's yeah. and I'm not sure you'd call it political so much as religious. Yes. I had a really interesting, interesting discussion with a gentleman that might be listening um, that um, about religion. And he had a pretty good point that religion is embedded in our DNA. His, his opinion is we, as humans, need religion. It's something that we are programmed for. And it's something I haven't had time to think out. Hmm, I'm going to have to think some yeah, more on this, you know, too. Yeah, I'm not sure religion. I can see that a spiritual a yearning for a creator. I can yeah. understand that. Yeah. But do you mean, wonder if he meant an actual religion, you know, like Christianity, like Muslim, like, well, you know, if Well, I think he it's... basically meant religion. Now, when we started talking about it, I uh, said, I define myself as spiritual rather than religious. You know, because I was raised Presbyterian and I would not discount anything I was taught in the Presbyterian uh, walk or whatever you want to call it. But I also take things from other places and from other viewpoints, you know, and I've kind of created my own feeling about it, my own well, path. Well, as, as I think we all should, we all especially did. by the time we reach our 50th decade. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I, yeah, but I think his, his point was that it's something that we are, you know, because almost every, well, every culture has religion. 
you know, every every ice of some sort. Uh, we've been reading the um, wonderful um, uh, corner books, the uh, Laos. Mm -hmm. uh, they talk a lot about the Buddhism and the animism. Yes. Mm -hmm. That is in that culture, but every culture that I can think of has a religion. From the Aboriginal dream world. All the way, yeah. Um, and some of them are so beautiful. That one is so beautiful. And um, so it's 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 kind of an interesting thing. And it's, when we but get what makes clash, yes, what makes this switch get turned yeah. that suddenly everyone has to believe what I believe? Yeah, or I'll well, kill and you. that that is crossing this line. Getting back to my argument that uh, you know. There are 9,999,000 perfectly peaceful Christians in um, one country, and then 1% decide, or are Muslim, or I guess Buddhists don't very no. often blow up people, but, no. uh, <laughs> but different, you know, 1% of this um, group crosses over that line. And what causes it? I'm sure, I think basically what we need to get into is the cause of this. Why do these people hate so much? From wherever they are coming, whatever they're coming from, why does this happen? And that is a huge question. That is a very huge, but and it's the question. I have no idea about the answer. It's the question that must be asked. Yep. You know, why is this happening? Why is this the feeling that people, you know, it's, uh, well, with the um, the original zealots, it was oppression. They felt oppressed by the Romans. And that's why they broke out. But it was still, it was only a small percentage of the people. And they wound up getting their whole country blown off the map. Oh, I imagine <laughs> oppression is a, a big reason. Yeah. And know. fear. And yeah, and fear is a big... Your basic seven needs not being met. Yeah. And, and for people here to make decisions out of fear disturbs me as well. So we probably shouldn't go into that. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> That's a whole nother topic. Yeah, but yes. that, is, um, that is what I'm seeing. Oh, the reactions. And for the last, I don't know, five or six years, it seems like a lot of people make the decisions out of fear. I Political decisions as well as personal decisions. And I'm not sure that that's where you ought to be. You know, Leslie, I think fear should be our next word. That's a good word. Let's tackle fear. Yeah, that's a okay. good one. That's All a right. good one. <laughs> that's a good one. Mm -hmm. For sure. All right, so I, I got us totally off track, oh. and I lost my... Hey, we've had fun. We yeah, well, have I lost my fun. quote. I had a great quote that you gave me, and I lost it. Do you remember which one it was? Oh, my goodness. There were all kinds. I guess it doesn't matter. I think your quote was best. You think kindness? Should I read it one more time? Yeah, read it one more time, because I think that's important. And I failed to mention the author, which yes, I hate yes, when I do, do that. that. <laughs> Frederick William Faber, he was or is a British theologian. Okay. Kindness, kindness, 
has converted more sinners than zeal, eloquence, or learning. I think that is a fantastic quote. For sure. So we probably, let's see. Yeah, I think we should start wrapping things up. I hope we haven't shocked anybody too much. My mother listens to this. <laughs> so I hope we haven't been too shocking. Um, our uh, show notes can be found at quincepodcast.com. Um, the, uh, we have a Facebook page. We'd love to hear your comments and constructive criticism. And uh, we also are on iTunes under um, Quince Podcasts, or you can look for Beth Almond Ford or Leslie Sheeler and find us that way. And we will be talking to you in a couple of weeks. Happy Thanksgiving. Bye-bye.